Welcome to Critics on a Bus, your favourite film review podcast, with me, your host, Cameron. Hope you enjoy this episode. Um, welcome to the latest episode of Critics on a Bus. We have an exciting two guest critics um, joining me on this journey today. We have returning once again um, to the hot seat, Mr. Dan Cope. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Very excited to talk about this film. Very excited. But- and... Joining us for the first time, very exciting, we have a new critic, uh, my good friend Maddie. Hello, Maddie. Hello, hello. I'm very excited to be here. Excited. I understand you also, you are a long, long, long time fan of the podcast. I am, I am. I I, I look forward to new episodes every every time they come out. <laughs> that's, that's the right time frame, every time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so we're excited to have you. And can you guys tell me what are we reviewing today? Maddie. So today we are reviewing No Time to Die, the new instalment in the James Bond franchise. Indeed, No Time to Die, the the last of the Daniel Craig era James Bond movies. It came out. When did it come out? Last week. Last yeah. week. Which, for our listeners, uh, we should say, <laughs> was the 30th of September. And how, so far, how has it done in the box office? It's doing really, really well. I think the, the headline is that it's the biggest UK opening box office weekend um, for a Bond film. It's uh, the highest opening weekend UK takings of any 007 film. It's beat Skyfall, which had a weekend opening of 20.2 million and Spectre's 19.8 million. We should say it's opening more cinemas. It's 772 versus, I think, Skyfall's 587. So it has a distinct advantage there. But given that this is the film that is cited to save cinema, given that it's the pande- uh, post-pandemic life, and this is the film that has been delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed, these figures, I'm sure um, uh, Eon will be very pleased with because they've done <laughs> very well probably saved Eon to be honest isn't an MGM mm-hmm. um from from a collapse so yeah don't have that's done really well in in the boxes so far for those of you who don't know anything about the film No Time to Die is I guess you could say the sequel to Spectre mm-hmm. Spectre mm-hmm. James Bond has left Her, Her Majesty's Secret Service um and he is enjoying um retirement in life but he is brought back into the action with good old friends such as Felix to take on a villain. Um, we know, of course, from marketing, it's Safin, played by Rami Malek, to do a, you know, what Bond villains do best, to do what Bond villains do best, and that is take over the world in some nefarious form or not. I don't want to go into too much more detail because anything else I feel would be spoilers, but that is generally what the film, Bond being Bond, taking on a mysterious bad guy bent on world annihilation or domination domination yeah well domination that's right that's right you two looked at me completely blankly it was like, like we like it was fine it was fu- we were okay we were okay with domination yeah yeah. yeah so he's, he's um yeah so and we learn a, a little bit more about um different people's pasts and presents and futures as well um, who else? Uh, so we talked about Daniel Craig and Rami Malek. Who else is in the film that we might know? 
so we've got uh, Leia Sado, who's reprising her role as the lovely Madeline. We saw her in Inspector. That's when she she first came. And then we've also got Lashana Lynch, who is I won't give away who she is at the moment, um, but her name is Nomi. And you might recognise her from Marvel. Uh, she was in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Oh, and of course, one of my favourites, not to forget. <laughs> um, we see another time that these two people have worked together. We've got Daniel Craig working with Anna de Armas again. And the last time they worked together was in Knives Out. Uh, which was absolutely brilliant. So I was very excited to see her again. Yeah, okay. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm with you on that, Maddie. Um, nice out was brilliant. Uh, brilliant pairing. But Cameron's just shaking. Uh, for, for our listeners, Cameron's going, oh, it was okay. But, but we, yeah, we yeah. must remember, listeners, that Cameron doesn't actually have a great deal of taste. So <laughs> it's important to get that out there. I'll, point, I'll probably say with Knives Out, I was probably carrying a lot of hurt from The Last Jedi. And so... I was, and I still am quite antagonistic towards Ryan Johnson. If I see him on the street, I probably will say, "You suck," and walk on, um, because I, you know, that's not that's we don't have time to get into that. I, so. I was just say we've got like we've yeah, got we, into it with five minutes, and we've already got into Star Wars run. Let's move on. <laughs> let's let's not go there. Yes, um, I do want to say that um, uh, Madeline as a as a returning character. I think it's the first time a love interest for James Bond has returned in a in a Bond film. She's the only I don't want to say Bond girl because it's not quite a Bond girl, but like a romantic interest um has crossed over into a second film. I do believe I'm correct in saying that. So um that's a very interesting kind of tidbit for that character. We also have Ralph Fiennes, Ben Wishaw and Naomi Harris returning as MI6 trio and christoph waltz comes back as blofeld yeah do you guys have a fun fact about this film you'd like to share before we get into the spoiler free spoiler filled review of no time to die i don't necessarily have a fact but i do have a very fun anecdote that kind of made me reflect on how kind of massive this film uh, and how long this film has taken um uh, my friend uh, had gone to see it and she said I was looking at the number plates and they said 19 and I thought oh they're using quite old cars that's not exactly up to date and then she was like <laughs> oh pandemic and so it did make me it did make me giggle um but this has been like a very long awaited film like how many times now has it been like there's they say no time to die but there's plenty of plenty of time to die given the uh, how long we had to wait for this um what was it how many times was it pushed back i think about like three four times in the end yeah i think so you got a strange mad fact about um uh, the lovely no time to die maddie oh similar to yours i read um that to try and keep it current um that some of the uh product placement in the film was actually changed and edited um so that it was more more up to date um, <laughs> uh, which i thought was quite hilarious <laughs> well, you know i think i think i heard the same thing i don't know what they changed but no i mean especially as as actually really it was only 
what a year and a half did we say um to mm. think that it has to change that much um <laughs> it's quite funny it says a lot about consumerism doesn't exactly. it <laughs> but where would bond be with his gadget say um which actually we got a little bit a little bit of because we got the uh that uh, opening sequence with the is it the aston martin uh, of course it's the aston martin with the with the guns and the, the, the mini yeah, the aston db5 first yeah. gold finger in the 1960s I, I love that opening scene. I thought that whole opening scene was a, a proper, proper kind of return to form for me. Yeah. Um, with that, then, let's get into talking about the movie, because I think we're there. Start us off, Dan, the opening scene. What do you think? Well, I, 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 the one thing is, so Cameron and I went to see Spectre uh, six years ago. Did we? Yeah, we did. Yeah, your memory's poor, but we did. Um, they, they, had, they had a red carpet and everything out in the I'm, cinema. I'm it's sure great. they did. But I left feeling thoroughly under, underwhelmed, but I enjoyed the opening sequence because they really did, like, the, the whole, what the, 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 one, the, the tracking shot sequence. But what I liked about this one was that it was driven much more by story, and I quite liked the fact that we started with young Madeline, and I absolutely was freaked out by that really... That, that mask um and a whole i think the whole kind of like norway ice sequence leading into oh okay so you know that this film is going to be about madeline and her connection with james and uh, and rami malik's um safin um and it's a long one isn't it it's a long long opening they make sure they get through the baggage of spectre first and they really set the relationships so you get that separation between james and madeline right before the op- opening credits and it goes on for a while but i really really enjoyed the fact that it was more character focused than it felt like it had to show off the best thing in the world like best action in the world we got that but we also got character focus which was nice yeah and i think um correct me if i'm wrong but it's one of if not the only one that's the opening is start is um not based on bond himself so it's actually focused on another character yeah i think i read that too i agree yeah (coughs) i did not think or know that so that's exciting (laughs) yeah i think the the opening is is interesting um because you don't quite know what's going on yeah. Uh, well, in the in the Norway scene, the Norway sequence of the opening, of course, you don't you don't quite know what's happening, um, and you you learn a little bit. I thought that was really well directed as well, just like mm. the, the like the visualization of pulling back when you see the gun disappear. You know that Madeline's taken it. It's all those kind of like little kind of cuts that kind of do a lot of the storytelling for you, which I thought was quite good. I think the the director did quite well there, and <clears throat> yeah, and then we get to. Italy. Italy. That's it. That's where it is. I wasn't actually quite sure where it was. And then we get to Italy where we do all the the, the Bond focused mm. opening scene. And that was very Bond, very Craig's Bond as well, I feel. I feel it was very in keeping with his, kind of his thing. Well, I think yeah, that's. I think that's exactly what you mean. That I exactly agree because it's it. What surprised me is that it referenced Vesper again. Um, and I think the Craig, the Craig films have been one continuous narrative, haven't they? Um, in and I know some people can find that a little bit narratively overwhelming because you're expected to, to learn. And remember stuff from a film in 2006, but I really like the fact that they addressed Vesper because that felt like 
there still wasn't pure closure. If he's going to be, if Bond is going to be with Madeline now, then that there is the Vesper-shaped hole in there, the person that he's only ever truly loved before Madeline. I'm glad that they didn't just ignore that as if it wasn't something that they would have, wouldn't have spoken about. Yeah, 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 agreed. See, I this is where I struggle, okay, because I'm not a massive fan of the way they've designed the Craig era of James Bond. I don't quite like that they're all connected um, because to me that's not very Bond-like, a Bond-esque, like it's too heavily connected. And so the fact that Bond had this weakness still of Vesper and having to say goodbye to her was just a bit a bit heavy-handed and a bit too like, come on. Like we get that it's one story, but like it's a bit it's a bit too much for me. And I appreciate that this is probably personal preference over like anything else, just because maybe I'm just an old dinosaur not wanting to change, and Bond is trying to be trying to be different, and it's not worked massively in Daniel Craig's era, to be honest with you. Um, I just don't like that they they they've tried to change the the characteristic of Bond and and the way that his life has run, and it's just it felt like even in this film they just can't let anything go. And for me, that set the tone of the whole movie where it felt like the story driven aspect of this film is all about wrapping it up. How can we how can we hit every point in Daniel Craig's all his other films previously and get it all in one nice little bow now and and get it out? And I felt that that from from the get go, from having Vesper, from having the DB5, I mean, I love the Aston Martin DB5 is one of my dream cars. I, I genuinely want to own a disc DB5 with a modern engine, maybe an electric engine inside it, but the, the, the chassis and the gorgeous body of a DB5. I love it. But like, give me a new Aston Martin. Like, that was the joy of, you know, dying of the day, for example, when he comes out with the Vanquish, you're like, oh, yeah, brand new Aston. Like, are you really citing Die Another Day as a quality modern film <laughs> there? I mean, can we just get that out there? I, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. That. A villain with diamonds in his face and a Gatling gun on the back of his green Jaguar, that is, like, top villain Bond. Um, so, <laughs> but that's the point. Bond's meant to be that little bit cheesy and that kind of, you know, over-the-top invisible cars. And as much as I love the Goldfinger DB5, and, like, it pained me when they scraped it driving through italy like i I actually went oh in the cinema when they really <laughs> scraped the side of that car that's the blokiest thing i've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> it's a dv5 i just i just felt like from the beginning they're just they in a way are trying to hold on to the past too much for bond i see what you mean and i i'm definitely with you on that like quite a lot of instances later on in the film but I think the Vesper Lynn thing is different because so much of this story is Bond's relationship with Madeline. And I think Vesper Lynn just is too much of a part of that. But she wasn't even really a big part of Casino Royale. Like, she wasn't that important. Are you her. kidding? That film hinges <laughs> on their relationship. Did you watch that film? Maddie yes. and I are just going to go to another chat room in our own. I will talk about Vesta. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, Casino Royale, and we'll get to this later on, I, I was highly rated in my Craig era Bond films, as we've me and Dan have discussed this. Um, it's up there and so but I just I just think he's 
maybe i mean we have established in many other episodes i am quite heartless so maybe <laughs> this is just my heartlessness um exposing itself to the fact that i just feel he's a bit too you know. i think i think it comes down to the fact that your your bond your version of bond is the kind of the mission of the film keeping it focused and kind of having narratives that are kind of self-contained whereas and i think as we've alluded to there are aspects of this era that are too sprawling where but i would have said the worst offender of that was spectre trying to tie everything to blowfeld in a rather clump i felt a rather clumsy fashion whereas i felt like this film takes a bit of a step back and goes actually no we just got to fo- we've got to focus on bond here and what's his natural what's the natural conclusion to craig's era well actually can he settle down should he settle down is the world around him moving on from him which i think we can get onto if we look at think about lashana lynch's lynch's character um does he fit within in this world now that the the, the, the craig bond and i i think he does um i think they've done a, a great job of making his dynamic with his his the team around him as like more as more of equals i really like the relationship he has with um deshauna lynch's character and i really like um you know the returning relationships between q and money penny it's nice to have him actually have a an interpersonal relate relationship and uh, non-sexual relationships as well with with women it's quite nice to see that kind of that he has that but equally he's yeah he's not as uh tied to some of the kind of the the old tropes which i think some people are, are, are glad well most people are, are glad that we're starting to honor honor the tropes that have are timeless like the cars like missions their kind of sophistication but also moving him into this kind of more um 21st century um terrorist uh kind of secret cell and gender uh, uh kind of a gender emancipated world i i, I think they f- they fitted him quite nicely i'm really interested to see where they'll take it after but that's a discussion for later i think <laughs> but but even in that even in that kind of like taking a step back they still do a kind of awkward clumsy tie-in with safin mm. so despite the time on like okay after the opening sequence which he's a, he's attacked by specter and he blames Madeline and, and chucks her out of his life on a train, like, bye, um, because, you know, he doesn't have time to think rationally or to talk things through. He just reacts and very angrily reacts, um, which is silly on his part, to be honest with you. Uh, they they tie in the whole Bond villain to, again, to Blofeld, to Spectre, to Madeline, to, you know, which all leads back to Bond in the end because it's all connected and it has been ever since casino royale and it's still like they couldn't let this whole like his life's been run by one or two people kind of thing go like safin is there i mean we'll get we can talk about Safin. safin is a very vague villain with unclear intentions to do something because he was hurt as a child i mean admittedly his family were murdered that's okay he was not. He was more than just hurt. He was he attempted assassination on his life. Um, quite traumatized. <laughs> quite traumatized. I will admit. Okay, that's a bit more than he was a bit hurt. Um, but you know, he. It's just. It's kind of. They. They. They still connect it, even by trying to back. Tr- trying to take it back, and it's still just a bit. I feel like even even the the mission side of the of the story was still a bit forced in trying to 
it's got to have some like personal and emotional connection it doesn't mm. you know because yeah the, the conflicts of interest between Safin and Bond and with you know loving the same woman and it it just felt like they were just trying to create some emotional gravity there but they didn't provide any because it felt quite artificial I think the issue there is that the and most uh, most critics seem to have agreed on this one is that unfortunately Malik just doesn't get enough screen time and oh, so he's, a, he's undercooked he's undercooked he's undercooked 100 percent. i was i was so excited when i heard that he was going to be playing the villain um i thought that he'd do a great job and really wanted to see what he would do with the part and i i agree he was just completely underused and and i think the the where they went wrong was by bringing blofeld back into it and if they did just cut that whole thing out, like I agree, Christopher, Christopher Walken, Chris, Christopher Waltz, Christoph Waltz, Christoph Waltz, Christopher Walken was a Bond villain, but a very long time ago. <laughs> Christoph Waltz was brilliant. He was a great Bond villain in the last film. Leave it there. Um, I, I really, I don't think we needed any of the bits with him in it this time. I think that's the that's the the most ludicrous bit, isn't it? With the whole bionic eye, like I'm like I know you've got to have a little bit of cliche, a little bit of kind of narrative straying, um, like the like plausibility. But I was like, wow, how does that work? I still don't think I've got my head around that one. Also, also the fact that when they were in Cuba and he sees him, he's like, oh, it's Cyclops, and you're like, did did we give him a name? Like, yeah. when did that happen? <laughs> he's like, ah. Oh, Yes, Cyclops, five years ago. And you're like, did I miss that conversation you had? (laughs) And you decided his name was Cyclops? I I remember being really quite confused at that bit when I was watching it. I was like, have I I missed something? (laughs) Am I meant to understand what's going on? Like, the the whole idea that Blofeld was creating this, like, was he meant to be controlling this from... Yeah, so he could see what was happening from the eye, and he had an—I think he had an earpiece in, so he could talk to everyone and communicate through the eye. So, at, in five years ago, in, in Italy, when he says Blofeld sends his regards something, it's because Blofeld could see him fighting Bond, and that's why when MI6 look at him, they're like, "Oh, he's crazy. He's talking to himself all day it's because he's talking to Spectre." Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, it makes a little bit more sense, <laughs> but it strains credulity, doesn't it? <laughs> oh dear, yeah. That though, to be fair, and I, I agree, I do think they needed to tri- trim his part down. As great as Christoph Waltz is, it did feel very Hannibal Lecter, and like the whole thing when he was slowly approaching and the score, it really freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just couldn't stop thinking about X-Men. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, is it when he Magneto's in the prison? Exactly. I just got massive Magneto vibes. I thought he was going to get a chessboard out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So that cage took a long time to crawl towards Bond. Didn't it? <laughs> You're sitting there like... All right. <laughs> It's a very slow, like that was half it, the runtime gone. And it wasn't like it was a reveal, because like you see him from like the minute he appears, it's just like the slowest crawl. 
And then, of course, he dies. <laughs> so quickly, and it's so unceremoniously. And it's so... They, they just set it up so... Ob- I just... I personally felt it was too obvious. Like, I I get that you need to get clues, and, and, and like you were saying in the, the opening scene, like, we got the clues of the, the panning back and seeing that the gun was missing, and was she going to use the gun? That, that was okay. But... With the the perfume on our wrists and the the overdoing of the rubbing it in our wrists and then the slow motion him grabbing her arm, I just I saw exactly what was going to happen mm. as they were doing it. I was like, oh, obviously he's now going to end up touching um, Blofeld. I just thought that was too obvious. Yeah, and I I think again I I don't I think I'm slightly understanding how much I enjoy the film. I had a really good time with it, but it was also obvious where that was going to be a key indicator in to, um, in uh, Daniel Craig's way out of uh, for me it felt quite obvious that those those he was going to be poisoned with those nanobots at some point um, and it was going to affect as we uh, later find out um, uh, it feels like I can't say it <laughs> <laughs> but as we later find out it does end up uh, Safin manages to poison him so that um, he can no longer touch Madeline and shock he's <gasps> his five-year-old daughter yeah it was and this is because they got so caught up in wrapping up his bond mm-hmm. they were so concerned about like we've got to definitively shut down any rumors that Craig's gonna come back let's just kill everybody <laughs> and him yeah. Basically, what they decided to do is like, all right, we we don't want anyone coming, we don't want anyone we use. This is this area of bond closed, right? Christopher Waltz, dead. Um, what's his name? Felix Leiter, dead. dead. James mm-hmm. Bond, dead. Dead. Safin, <laughs> dead. Like it was just like I'm surprised they didn't kill off um, M as well. Yeah, do you know, I'm, I mean, they killed off the old M, so exactly. they got they, they got there at some point. Yeah, they just they just got so caught up in closing all these things of bond that they just try to like kill everyone and, and sort those wrap those up in neat little bows okay but come on it was emotional it they went there they did kill him and although it was so obvious it... i called him dying before i even went to see it the day the day of i was like i was like he's gonna die and then all like you could just feel it coming and the minute he puts his his jumper around the little girl's neck was like Matilda I was like dead not coming back now is he Uh, that was really sad though the whole good thing I was doing so much shouting at the screen in my head I was like (laughs) why can't no me go like I don't if they're both meant to be double 007s spoiler alert they're both meant to be double 007s why doesn't she go instead like why does it have to be him surely it makes sense for him to go in the boat with them but he's got to this is the thing this is why they tried to tie it on again he's got to say because he's got to finish the job because it's spectre it's whatever saffron's calling his organization because he's killed spectre off like Uh, i mean does uh, anyone know does anyone know how Safin actually financed all of this? I have literally no idea how this man has hit millions of hitmen seem to be <laughs> on his side. I got Spectre. They were a criminal organisation. But Safin's just like, yeah, I've got an island, mate. Uh, <laughs> but it was his family's, wasn't it? They they sold poison. Presumably there's quite a lot of money in selling poison. But they died when he was a child. <sighs> yeah, they but then so he'd get all the finance, ago. right? 
Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, also, how old is he meant to be? Because he's an adult when Madeline's a child. Yeah, that I did not understand. <laughs> I was like, do you not age? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how old she's meant to be. Ah, uh, and they get, and, and they also they get around that by having him in the mask, don't they? In mm. in in the in yeah, the. Yeah, but he's very clear, not like a six-year-old attacking a family. It could be sixteen. Yeah, I think I think that's what they were going they were going for. Like they're like, yeah, we'll put the put the mask on so we can just like hide the fact that it's still clearly Rami Rami Malek. <laughs> I, I I do I just think Rami Malek was wasted because like even thinking now, I mean, I gen at one point I generally thought, is he going to become Doctor No? I think he did. There was a bit where they said, oh Doctor, and I was just yeah, like, and like the way he held his hands because like Doctor No had metal hands. Um, in the original film, yeah, because he lost them through radiation, and like it felt so, do- especially like the 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 acid farm, uh, the the thing that the people were doing for yeah. no apparent reason in acid. <laughs> they were harvesting, I think. What? Yeah, listen to the doctor. She will she will know. <laughs> Mad- Maddie, as a medical professional, what were you? What can you harvest from liquefying acid? <laughs> Why is that medical? <laughs> it's, it's chemical. It's mildly science. You're, you're the, also the smartest of the three of us. So this <laughs> they were the they were harvesting thing. what you use to make nanobots, right? Metal from liquid from acid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you are. So there you go, everyone. Clean up. If you want some metal, go to some acid. That's the, <laughs> that's that's the trick for you. I, but like, I got you know. I, I got real Doctor No vibes, but when he messaged, when he like talks to Bond and uh, Nomi, when they're like they've kidnapped the the funny Russian scientist, uh, on the screens it's his mask talking. I don't know if you noticed, and I feel like there's like greater plot in there. Like that's the icon of like a terrifying organization or the faceless man or something, and we just never saw that. Yeah, it did just feel like I'm going to wear a mask because that's intimidating. And to be fair, get, it was, but I get he he wore it first of all because his face was damaged yeah. from the poison. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like he used it as like a little like cute clue in in his own island. But surely he could have been using that to do other dangerous things and like creating a name for himself or something. Like I, it, it just felt. Like there was something greater there that we've missed, and it, and yeah, it was more interest. The film was more interested in telling James Bond the James Bond's last story than it was about really neatly putting all of those all of those kind of the traditional gripping the spy thriller elements into it. Um, I I think I think you've got two. I think you've got one very good film, which is the character driven stuff. I think Daniel Craig is at his best in this film. And that's saying a lot because I think he's very good in Skyfall and Casino Royale as well. Um, although Ashley is good across all of them. Um, but they didn't jowl the elements of the story that they wanted, the, the, like the kind of the spy story that they wanted to tell alongside the character story. I don't know. I think there were some pretty classic Bond spy, like so, like my favourite scenes were the the classic fight scenes, like um, 
the 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 bits in the woods I thought that was brilliant that yeah was actually you're right yeah that was very that was very I, tense wasn't it I absolutely love that bit um, and I felt really like emotionally connected to like because I was thinking like Bond this all this time is usually you know he's he's just he's there he's fighting and whereas here he's got Madeline and Matilda in the car and I, I just like I felt that added so much tension because yeah. I was thinking how he must almost have nerves for the first time um yes. is how I saw it um, I absolutely love that scene and the with the wire when he put the wire between the trees I was like oh classic that was yeah. that was beautiful you, you gotta take down a motorcyclist with that one don't you yeah yes yeah. has to happen yeah no, you're right, actually, that, that 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 I remember thinking exactly the same thing that I felt I felt like that kind of like feeling in my stomach that I got during Skyfall when you knew that you knew M was going to die. You, you, you knew that. And the movie was telling you that that's where it was going. But you could just feel Bond has somebody he needs to protect now. It's not just him flinging himself into danger just because. It feels like there is a tangible threat. Yes, I do agree with you there. Um, that actually, that when when they combine those elements, and it was centered around that 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 kind of uh, the, the daughter in particular, that that really that stuffed bear, that stuffed rabbity thing, and oh, the idea. I, mean, I think it was called. <laughs> Yeah, it's just literally, the, oh, it is a really cute image and it's a great way of kind of showing the bond of the end of Casino Royale to the bond that we see at the end of No Time to Die. There's massive growth there. There's massive growth. The, him running around with this like teddy bear while he's shooting things as well. It, 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 I, I'm making it sound like really corny. It wasn't. It was pretty sad and beautiful. <laughs> I do agree that the set pieces are particularly good. The the forest Norway scene is great. The fight to the control tower is also, I think, mostly single shot fight until they get to the top of until he fight Cyclops and then there's then a cut. But I think most of the fight up the staircase, which has become quite a classic trope now um, since Daredevil, it was, it was a single shot. Um, but that one was so seamless you didn't notice until until you got to the very end of it. Like, oh, they've not seen a cut in ages, which I thought was quite nice. So the set pieces were quite good. But let's talk about something. I feel like is the 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 changing of the female representation of this film in this film because I do feel like No Time to Die takes a big step forward from most Bonds in how it represents women. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on that because so we've already spoiled it, but No Nomi is 007, so Lashana Lynch is it plays um, 007. Um, we've also got Madeline who, whilst as a love interest is also uh, a single mother and she's a professional psychotherapist yeah yeah, yeah. and and you know all those things um so i just feel like this film took a big step forward in in how it represented women and even um what her character's paloma anna anna de armas anna de armas you know uh, she is an agent i assume cia yeah cia yeah yeah, yeah. a new recruit she's, yeah three weeks training um she's she is great in this film by the way oh my Even goodness, she's in I it for, she's her. in it for so short she was great yeah, in this she movie. Was. oh i really wanted to see more of her <laughs> yeah i had great ideas of 
um, her coming back later on in the film um, and and helping out Bond, I just I thought she was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. and she she was excellent, and she was yeah she was she was a, a an agent a fighter all in her own right, and I don't think she was you know sexualized really in any way. There wasn't like lingering camera shots on her like there would have been other Bond Bond girls and different things like that, and. and so I, th- I do think this film took a massive mm. I mean there was definitely still some of it there there was still the um she starts to undress him and you're like oh is this where we're going and and he makes a joke about um, oh don't you think we should get to know each other a bit first and she's just getting him changed into a tux yeah um yeah that was quite that was quite clumsy because who who does that? Who just yeah. who, who, who <laughs> just goes right? I'm got you need to wear a suit now, so you are suddenly have become incapable of unbuttoning. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was quite clumsy. That was. Yeah, there were there were a few missteps, but I think overall it's going in the right direction, and I like that they just rolled with it. It was just I do think Nomi and Bond's tit for tat of who's 007 was a bit stretched out although it was quite funny at first when she was just like uh 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 well both of them uh each have a moment where they're like what number what number are you again um, <laughs> like yeah. yeah it was funny once <laughs> yeah i just definitely agree that it was overplayed i just i started to be like okay we get the idea now you're trying to show us that you're happy with a female uh, 007 and like we get the idea now and I just I'm gonna be very controversial probably I just didn't feel it I I get what they were trying to do I quite liked Lashana Lynch I just think it fell a bit short she still felt very much like a like a side a side character I don't know I just I feel like there's something they could have done to get it a bit better I think I sort of see where you're coming from. I'm again. I also enjoy. I, I enjoyed her, and I thought she had a great role. And it was. Uh, she was assertive, and she was confident, and she she kicked ass. And that that is not by any any means the only rule of thumb for a successful um, female representation. And we've seen it through uh, Naomi Harris's Money Penny as well. But I think because this film was juggling so much, you'd almost have if this wasn't Craig's last film, and it didn't have all these things to tie up that their relationship would have been the central thrust but it, it it wasn't allowed to be because it had had so many other plates it had to spin and I'd have, I'd have liked to have seen a film where it was Craig and Lynch on an actual you know on, on their mission and and we see more of that kind of like almost like a buddy buddy copy sort of a cop sort of thing which would have been nice to, to see more of but I'm glad we did get what we got but and I, and I think we are going in the right direction um but I, th- I thought um it was quite interesting was it craig who came out and said was it daniel craig or no who, yeah. who yeah it was yeah. and um phoebe Wallerbridge have both said that bond shouldn't be a woman mm-hmm. um and said they should focus on creating good unique rival roles for women their own mm-hmm. roles instead of taking bond <clears throat> adapting it or trying to fit a narrative for a female lead just make your own good female lead and it will sell now you know we've seen things like black widow and and other films um led by with female leads sell it's not like it's like a a risk for a a movie studio so i think yeah i I, i'm on the side that i agree with 
them. I do think Bond as an IP, for example, as intellectual property, should remain the way it is. And I think you should create your own character for a female lead to, to, to take on. I don't see why we can't have two. Yeah, I, I, I think it is very interesting the way even now people still talk talk about like representation in films. And, and I, I'm actually listening to the Bond the Bond podcast, the No Time to Die podcast that goes through. I thoroughly recommend it. It's very interesting. But it's interesting the way that it's framed as this massive leap forward. And, and it is. But at the same time, I feel like we've been having this conversation for a decade now. And where do we move that conversation? Where, where does that conversation now move forward to? We have got actual proper proper leads that that conversation doesn't need to exist it doesn't need to exist within hollywood it does need to still exist in hollywood we know this but um i think like you say with bonds ip ip it's it's not it's narratively taking the audience somewhere that they don't necessarily want to go i think the best comparison for me is i've always understood with doctor who there's always going to be a, a, a woman doctor absolutely why, why wouldn't there be the doctor is an alien that can change into anything with james bond james bond is rooted in let's let's face it some misogynistic tropes why would women want to take like you say why would women want to take on that role shape and create new definitive roles that are reflective of of empowered women um but yeah I don't know, I don't know. and fix the traits of bond so that mm-hmm. he's yeah. not a womanizer yeah. yes and like yes. create a non-toxic masculinity bond yeah create a good example for for men as well it's, it's important for us to have good examples in mm-hmm. cinema so that you know men can be raised right and not do horrible things to people and women <laughs> um, exactly <laughs> so you know um but i think i think this film is good for that and I thought it was interesting as well that Madden doesn't doesn't tell him until the very end that he's the father. Mm. I guess it's because she doesn't want him to stick around because he's the father. You know, I I imagine if the if he wasn't the, to have died, it would have been like I want you to love me for me and not because we've got a child. That's my feelings on it. Something else I I think I've spoken to you many about this is that I also feel that this is a this film is also a little bit like the greatest hits of James Bond. It's it's, it's doing it's doing everything but it's so full of like all like harping back to everything i don't know if you noticed how much it like tries to connect and hop back to almost every single bond film it could from you know from when they announced it they announced no time to die in jamaica which is where the first film was set where ian fleming lived for a little while the opening credits the music just before it starts there's those polka dots which are from the doctor no graphics there's the db5 there's the the island looks very you only live twice all sorts of things does anyone else feel like the cliches were the greatest hits of every bond film there was i mean yeah but i I quite liked it i mean i i liked the fact that we were that that's why we like bond (laughs) um we we like the the there's I think by taking those things from each of those films, 
you're you're also taking the the gadgets that we all love you're taking the the key like chase scenes that we like and um I don't know I think that's what people like yeah there's something distinctly bond about it isn't it that otherwise it becomes it just becomes another spy film in terms of like Jason but not 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 knocking Jason Bourne but it's it's got to stand away from that 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 genre in itself James Bond's voice is almost a genre in its own Um, it is and and I wonder if because they are almost stepping away from that classic bond in some ways like we were saying about his his attitude towards women and um the 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 relationship with madeline and and his is he like stepping back and and you know becoming more emotionally involved in order to keep it as a bond film we need those those other ties um where where we can get them that is a good that is a good point i mean i do feel like no time to die is the most bond of all craig's movies cedar royale they try something new quantum of they fail to be jason bourne miserably um which is why it's probably the worst bond film ever made um (laughs) and you know they realized oh wait we need to be more bond for people to actually like these movies and so they they got and from skyfall spectre and no time to die it's got more and more bond as we've gone through and i'm glad they've realized that we like the tropes of the genre i do feel sometimes it was a bit too greatest hits but that's because i just feel like this was trying to be a, a farewell love letter to craig and bond in general and it tried too hard i don't we didn't need things like the graphics from dr no and this and that i just i think, I think only a, a james bond aficionado is going to be uh notice the graphics from dr no and this is this is the thing i found so i've <laughs> I'm speaking to quite a few people about this and there's a lot of people, and I'm sure a lot of you listening might be the same. You're fans from Casino Royale onwards. Yeah, I, I most, mean, I am. I'll most people honest. most people watched Casino Royale and that's the first bond they've ever experienced and they've gone then with Craig through his era. For someone like myself, who as a child owned all the Bond films on DVD and has watched them, you know, on, on marathon upon marathon and knows the years they came out and the cars would like i know a lot about the bond films maybe it's probably not surprising at all is it to be honest with you i could see all the little clues all the little hints and motives and all the things from all the bond films ironically i want to point out i point out i was talking to paul um before we saw the film and we're talking about bond songs um and we're going through some of what we thought was the best bond songs um and i talked about how i felt that the louis armstrong song we have all the time in the world from on her majesty's secret service was the worst bond song <laughs> and that was of course the one they used throughout the film at the very end <laughs> yeah they and did we sat there, i was like oh um yes it's still the worst bond song there is but <laughs> <laughs> did you like the um no time to die billy eilish's rendition mm-hmm. well not rendition but yeah song. i just i will never get over it until they make michael buble do the bond song Oh, God, so until cool. he's until he's the song the voice of bond for one film it's never gonna be, because michael Bublé is so big band like yeah, i'm sorry too corny no have you listened to crimea river and and hold yes. on, hold on. he's it's saying this bond. after he's saying that we've we've <laughs> got too many 
links to other films. Like, yeah, right. Michael Bublé's a film. But Michael Bublé has the voice for a big band film. And I know there's supporters out there. Hashtag Bublé for Bond. Let's get it going. <laughs> okay, okay. The only way I'm buying Not a this... campaign. The only way I'm buying this is if the new Bond film, it, the next Bond film, is set at Christmas time and it's really happy. Oh, no, don't. Oh. Don't make a Die Hard. No. <laughs> no, no, no. L- listen, after this... Maddie, Dan, listen to Crimea River. I've right? listened to it. I do, I do like the song. It and it has, and we, me and Paul analysed it like for half an hour, right? Of course you we, did. We probably listened to it, and we're like, listen to that, that like guitar riff that is, and you hear, and in the film we were like, there's the riff, there's that's the one, yep, there it is, like boom, cliche, boom, this, like cover motifs. Michael Bublé is and should be the next artist behind the bond song but be nice did a great job i loved the visuals i really liked the gun dna thing i thought i loved that bit yeah i didn't get it at the time i was like (laughs) what's this all about um but (laughs) it ties in really nicely once you know the story yeah Um, it does i thought it was so clever yeah i also think watching watch this is what i thought watching the film the second time in the opening sequence you know her secret that she wants to tell Bond. Mm. I think she wants to tell him that she's pregnant. Oh, <sighs> interesting. Not that it's sapping or I want to tell you something about Spectre. Because, you know, when they're in Italy and she's like, you know, we can't be together until you say goodbye to Vesper. And then he gets blown up. And then she's in the car. She's like, I've got to tell you something really badly. I think it's that she's she's pregnant. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting because I really one of the things that I thought when I came out of the film was that I don't get why her secret's so bad. Like, why won't she just tell him <laughs> about the masked man? Like, I, I really, I think that makes so much more sense. Yeah. And she, she actually, um, I, I've stolen this because I've read it since. I, this was not, I did not notice this, but she actually holds her stomach when um, oh, I read she's that. on the train. Yeah. Yeah, she understands um, it. The only thing is when when they there's the bit where they're they're burning the the secrets on the piece of paper. Uh, I was really sure that she'd written in French the master man, um, and then burnt it and threw it off the balcony. But I mean, I might have been wrong. It was very quick, and my French isn't <laughs> that great. <laughs> it, that sounds it sounds legit as well. She was she was also probably frightened with her ties to him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and like, maybe... why would she have thought about him? I mean, would you forget the person that saved your life? Yeah, and also like, killed your mum. <laughs> and also save, killed your mum. But right? did he just save her life? Or, and then did he just like dump her back at the house and go see her? I think there's an implication that she, he's always going, he's always been a, spe- a spectre in her, in her life. So I don't know. It was, that was too unwritten to make sense. And so, yeah, if anyone is listening from France, um, let us know what she wrote on that piece of paper so we can find out. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I think if you watch, if you look back and think about the opening where she's trying to tell him that she's pregnant, it makes a lot more sense as oh, to why yeah. she reacts the way she does. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, all right then. So where do you guys rank this film in all Bond films? We'll start off because like Dan, He's only a fan of the Craigie. Well, he's only watched the really the Craigie onwards. 
Shocking. Um, Shocking. I've watched some of, I've watched some of uh, Brosnan and I've watched Doctor No. Um, I have dipped into them, but it's Connery, quite nice. Connery is Bond. Yep. Sean yep. Connery is the Bond. Okay. Um, but, so we'll just rank it in terms of the Daniel Craig movies. Where does it rank in your Daniel Craig list? Uh, Maddie, as the guest, you oh, can go no, first. I'm first. <laughs> <laughs> So you've got I five mean, films, five not, films. Okay, where? so for me, it's the only other contender really is Casino Royale. I, to me, I have, that has always been my favourite Daniel Craig film every time they come out. It's the one that I've seen the most. Um, I, I absolutely love it. And, and I would really struggle. I think, I think there is potential for me to grow to love this one um but i just have too much of an affinity for casino royale that i think it has to just pip it for now uh, so casino royale and then this no time to die what's yeah. next skyfall then spectre spectre and quantum solace of the bomb cool uh dan where does this rank for you um so it's second joint with casino royale for me, it's Spyfall. I, I, I love Judy Dench. Um, I think she's a powerhouse and she absolutely, uh, and the baddie at Silver is amazing. Javier Bardem is in it. I, I just love Skyfall, but I recognise that Casino Royale is exceptionally well made um, and, and very engaging. And, and I think it, No Time to Die shares a lot with Casino Royale in terms of like emotional stakes. So I've got them join, set them join second. Then for me, it's uh, Quantum of Solace and Spectre as last. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe a controversial. Possibly. Possibly. Let us know. Let us know what you think of Dan's ranking right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the drama. For me, Casino Royale is number one in Craig's era. Um, then it's No Time to Die. Probably then Spectre. Skyfall and the Quantum of Solace. <laughs> no, I'm no, sorry, no, no, Skyfall, no. Skyfall is literally <laughs> no, no. Goldeneye for the 2010s, okay? Skyfall is not an original story, changes the narrative of Bond in general by making him, his, that's his name, like, I don't I don't buy that theory. Like, Skyfall is is just rehashed Goldeneye, okay? okay With yeah. um, Spanish people instead of Russians. Boom, that's it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I can't, I can't comment, can I? Um, I guess I need to go and see Goldeneye. <laughs> you need to see Goldeneye. Go- okay, tell me, tell me which film I'm describing. A a disgruntled double agent who is supposed to be dead, um, gets hold of mass weapons of mass destruction and tries to kill M and MI6 and Bond has to stop them <laughs> with help. I, which I, film am I describing? I think you've made your point. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, I'm describing both Goldeneye. Skyfall. <laughs> that is literally the plot from both films. So that's why I rank Skyfall lower because <laughs> it's literally Goldeneye. And they're like, hmm, what haven't we done in three movies? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, five? Five movies. Yeah. Okay, but the cinematography in, in Skyfall is gorgeous. And I'm just getting that out there. So, you know. You, who did the cinematography for, for Sky? Sky? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Um, no, I do know this. Um, I do. 
Yeah, it was Roger Deakins. Yeah. I mean, Roger Deakins might oh, be I mean, the best cinema photographer there is. He yeah, is. it was. And that man is just amazing. 1917 is oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And, oh, that movie. Him, him and Sam, him and Sam Mendes together, it's it's quite a team. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's that that explains why that movie looks so good. Well, we clearly really liked this film. I think we've we we spent a lot of time criticizing, but we clearly really liked this. This is like. This is like second for most people, right? Yes, but I, for me, it, it does also say like, if I was to rank this in all twenty-five Bond okay. films, <laughs> I think the thing the thing that saves this film is that No Time to Die is the most Bond of Craig's movies. Mm. It's the only one that you know does everything a Bond film should do and a little bit more, but that also just a sense of the caliber of the rest of craig's films <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh no i for me it's it's that i have very strong opposing views about different parts of this film so there are bits that i absolutely love and i just think are are classic and enjoyable and emotional and tense and i just love and then there's just bits that <laughs> i don't know what happened and what they were thinking <laughs> I, th- I think that is the perfect summary i'm just gonna i'm just gonna wrap that little summary <laughs> off and just go yeah that's what i think too that's the soundbite right there for instagram isn't it <laughs> um, I, d- I just feel that this film is good until you start thinking about it mm. well you never want to do that when <laughs> i know right you would think about a movie but when you start picking it apart it picks apart very quickly. Watching it as an experience is great. Something that I think is really a real good trick they've managed to pull off is that it doesn't feel that long. No, it doesn't. Mm. It really. It's probably the longest Bond film in history. It is. It, it is. It's two hours forty minutes. Mm. It does not feel long. The other time I was stressed is because we might have to pay for parking when watching it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you actually watch it, you don't feel it's almost three hours you really don't feel fatigued watching the film that is quite a trick i will say that for them they've got that going for them so um yeah and lastly before we get into scoring i do just want to talk about the fact that they killed bond i feel we haven't really addressed that we said it but we haven't really addressed it no it's too painful to talk about (laughs) what happened was he just apparated he suddenly learned magical skills and got out and everything's fine (laughs) yeah it was really emotional it was and you know what they didn't overplay it like they didn't Mm. it it, the scene could have gone on for a good 10 minutes 20 minutes they didn't (laughs) it was he's going to die he knows he's going to die he makes that last phone call and what is his last line is it like i know or i know something about yeah i don't know if that's a nod to star wars but it feels like it is <laughs> yeah. star wars again <laughs> so we, it all comes back to star wars everyone that's the end of the podcast everything in the end yeah no i i, I like that they had the goal to commit to his death yeah me too. they could have cheapened it by you know last minute there's a helicopter Mm. And like run off to the helicopter and like just get a get off as the, the missiles like shoot through the the blades. I like that they had the goal to to kill him, um, and to commit to that. I thought that was a lot of a lot of films wouldn't 
kill off their main character in that way. I think obviously Bond being unique because he can come back as any actor um, does save that. Um, but I like that they committed to that. And it's the first time we've ever seen a Bond die on screen. So I, I thought it was really brave, um, really good, a bit too telegraphed. Yeah. From purely from the marketing and the way that everyone is glowing over like I feel like they made a bit too much of a big deal about Daniel Craig to like in real life you know to to not kill him mm. in the film like they made him a um, an honorary commander in the Royal Navy just like the ranking of James Bond and like they kept talking about Daniel Craig like he was the greatest Bond that's ever lived and ever will live and that to me, that's why I was like, they're 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 hyping Craig up way too much. They've killed him. Mm. You know, take him even where you rank him as a Bond, but um, yeah, that kind of telegraphed a bit too much. But in general, I like that they committed to his death. Yeah, yeah, I I was very worried that something was going to happen, like you said, and I think that to me always took away from the emotion i think next time i watch it i'm gonna be broken because <laughs> i'm gonna know it's real <laughs> it's real maddie he did die <laughs> but i at the same time i really i really didn't want them to 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 ruin it at the last minute no yeah they, they had to go through with it however painful it is for everyone <laughs> Can you can you imagine if he he just like appeared when they were all toasting him? Um, oh, it, oh so, so disappointing. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. You hear that, Chris Hemsworth? If you have watched Instruction, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Maddie, have you watched that? No. Wasted on us. <laughs> <laughs> Before we do anything else, as well, thoughts on who is the next James Bond? Who so, do you want to play James Bond? Just to let you know, it came out today. Idris Elba has ruled himself out as James Bond categorically. Thank goodness. <laughs> who do you? Who are your top two? I've got mine. Should I start to help you out? Yeah. I think my number one at the moment is Rene Jean Page, main cast from Bridgerton, main guy from Bridgerton. I think he would be great. I saw him. This sounds really weird. I saw him yesterday in an Audi advert, and mm. he just has the voice and the charisma of Bond 100% I think it should be him or Riz Ahmed I'd love to see either one of those I feel I feel like Rene Jean Page is 31 right now he wouldn't start he wouldn't come out the next film till he's 33 34 if they start producing it really soon I just I think he has what it I think he has what it takes he's got the look he dresses well in a suit he's got the voice I think he could be Bond to be honest, he's my top one, and Riz Ahmed is number two. Who do you guys think should take the the Aston Martin and the watch next? I think somebody we don't know. As in, as in, I want it to be somebody obviously that, that's obviously had some acting experience and things like that, but somebody that you you go, oh, well, I'm not sure about that. And then I think you know you're onto something interesting. I don't know in terms of a person. I really, really don't. But I just know that they're not going to be this major celebrity. They never are. They never are. Because that this is a role that will make them into a major celebrity. It's not one that I think a major celebrity need, needs. Mm. Um, I think there's too much star power and it distracts you. You wouldn't want, for example, you wouldn't want um, 
Chris Hemsworth as Bond. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. He's 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 Thor. It like he's already kind of within this role that has shaped him and defined him. You, I, he wouldn't suit a role that that's going to do that to that person. That's why I think we should rule out Henry Cavill and Tom Hardy, who are also two very yeah, talked about people. I, I would yeah. be very there. Because I just don't. I don't think they fit right. Um, Maddie, who do you think should take on Bond next? Oh, I don't know. I I think I feel there was somebody that I was thinking of that I've seen in a film in the last year and thought they would be great, and I can't remember for the life of me who it was. Um, <laughs> but um, I I to be fair, I agree with you that I think um, Regan Jean Page would be good, and I agree that I don't I don't want it to be some big blockbuster star. I mean, everyone was talking about Tom Hiddleston uh, a couple of years ago, weren't they? And I, <laughs> he's a, he's a Bond villain. Yeah, I don't know. I thought in the villain. Night Manager, right, I could see him as being a Bond character, but yeah, I think it's too big. I want something like again, sort of referencing 1917 again, but I I just thought those two guys were great, and let's get you know, there's so many people out there. Let's get some someone like that in. Probably not them, but <laughs> um, someone like that. I think. For me, it's Rene Jean Page, and I can't. I don't see anyone else's Bond, and it's going to be really difficult if it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm struggle. Okay, then. So we've come to the the big moment, the scores, um, where we're score, and we're going to summarize our thoughts and feelings on the film as to why we gave that score. Dan, you can go first. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Very good, strong film. Very strong film. Yeah, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. It's got it's, it, it, it juggles a little bit too much, and there are some things that quite uh, lost me a little bit. But oh, the characters, the emotion, the drama, the music. Yeah, I really, I, I felt, and I watched it with a packed audience as well, and it really, it really, it really pulled me in. Yeah, eight out of ten. Wow. Okay. Cool. Maddie, what have you scored it out of ten, and why? <laughs> Um, so I've struggled with this, um, <laughs> because there are a few bits that I have issues with that I've mentioned. Um, yes, mainly Blofeld, but anyway. Um, so, however, I think I think I'd hate myself if I didn't give it an eight as well. I have to say I did absolutely love this film. Um, I already have my tickets to go see it again this weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I I loved it. I can see myself watching it a lot in the in the future. I thought the Bond girls were the best. I absolutely love Madeline and Paloma. Yeah, me too. Um, I just and 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 yeah, it was great. great. No, that was good. <laughs> well done. Yeah, for me. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay, I'm happy with that. Um, I thought we were going to go for a five. <laughs> no, we're not going to go for a five. It is the most Bond of Bond films we've had since 2006. There's a lot... I Okay, there's a lot wrong with this film. The plot's a bit messy. It's all over the place. Um, It's not sure what kind of film it is. Rami Malek is as an utterly wasted talent. So wasted, it's criminal. And I don't... I just don't like the one 
really long interconnected story that all of Craig's films have been it, that just bugs me a little bit about that's not a bond and that bugs me um and it's just a bit too much of a farewell letter to Daniel Craig I think they got caught up in hit being his last film instead of just a bond film but that being said it was the most bond they finally have gotten back to the crazy villain with the the you know the wacky lair and all the the dangerous missions and the gadgets and the Aston Martins and the you know Q and M and all these different things and Hans Zimmer's score just on point we haven't talked about that really but it was great at every single moment like everything Hans Zimmer touches um he's not ever done a single musical note wrong so it's the most Bond film I've seen you know since 2004 2002 2002 when Die Another Day came out so it's the most Bond film they've had in almost 20 years so it deserves it a little bit and I like someone finally committed to to killing characters that is such a bugbear of mine that people just don't commit to killing people and this one did and so i've got to give it those things save it from being lower than seven but it's just about a seven um if that in imdb it's not running off too great i think it's only a 7.6 currently in imdb it's yeah. 7.6 with 49,000 views. It's a medical meta score 70. I don't know if that's good or not. Paul can always always knew that kind of stuff. And is it certified? I imagine it's certified fresh. It got very high reviews. I saw by by people. 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. Any any last words from you two lovely people? I know it's late. Thanks for staying. <laughs> Um, well, there's clearly plenty uh, um, uh, of stuff to look forward to because we are told that James Bond will return at the end. So we know that it's imminent. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really yeah, interested to see what direction they go in. I know they're not announcing new Bond until 2022. Um, Barbara Broccoli says they won't do casting for new Bond until next year. So... They're gonna let this bond run its course and then, um, then announce. So not so don't what's the thing this side of the year? I don't think. Mm, yeah, we need time for the dust to settle, and I I, I think we need to honor this this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put on your plinth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening, Maddie. Congratulations on your first episode. You were great. Well done. Thank you very much well like, done. genuine real honor to be here like thank you for inviting me <laughs> no problem we hope hopefully we'll see you again in the future yeah i'd love that we are cinema buddies now um we are we finally we finally got our butts together and actually managed to like coordinate <laughs> trips <laughs> um, so we, we do actually see movies now um so, so that's exciting um and of course dan you were great as always and we're excited to see you again in the future thank um, you I don't know what we're going to review next. (coughs) Venom. (laughs) That's going to be interesting. Really really interesting. So yes, maybe we will be back for Venom. That's exciting. But that's it for today. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Critics on a Bus. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for updates on more episodes. And we'll see you in the next one.